This is a great day of celebration. This is my favorite day of the year. This is my favorite holiday, but it is the best day because Jesus rose from the dead. And the basis of our faith is the fact that Je- the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, I just want to welcome you and thank you for joining this morning via live stream or if you're watching this later on. We love you. We miss you. Nothing replaces being in person. I mean, this is by no means a normal Easter. We are facing some tremendous uh, challenges and crisis in our nation. Um, But I was encouraged this week when the Surgeon General of the United States says this, yes, it's a dark week, but Sunday is coming. Come on. Sunday is coming. And there is hope. And hope springs eternal because the grave is open. Churches may be closed. You may not be here this morning, but the grave and the tomb are open and Jesus is alive. And because of that, we have eternal hope. We have a living hope. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for joining. I just want to also give a shout Shout out to our children's ministry team who took the day in this last week to prepare Easter baskets. And I hope each and every one of you kids this morning had a chance to open that basket or you will be at some point. But I just thank them for taking the time and pouring the love in and preparing those packages and delivering them. That's special. Any chance we can get to connect with you during these days is important and it's special. And we just miss you. I will say that over and over and over again. And uh, I hope that you are faring well in your lockdown and in this time that we're in. You know, our world is full of fear and uncertainty. And it's pervasive in our lives. It's pervasive in people's lives as they are facing tremendous challenges financially, out of work, Um, not knowing how they'll pay their bills, their mortgage, their rent. There's people who are stressed and facing anxiety, Um, many dealing with that fear and anxiety against and afraid of this invisible enemy that has turned our world upside down. Besides this, there's the people facing loneliness this morning. You're at home, you're alone, and you've missed that connection with people. I'll tell you something, nothing replaced. you, You can't lay hands on people in this situation. You can't baptize people. You can't anoint the sick this way. So we're believing that this is going to turn, this is going to change, and that God God is going to bring about and reveal his glory in the midst of this dark hour. And I hope you believe that with us. And the good news this morning is he's risen. He's risen indeed. He's risen indeed. Amen. This morning. And so if you have your Bibles, I hope you will turn with me to John chapter 20. And I just want to share this morning on encountering the risen Lord. Encountering the risen Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that you indeed have risen and we have a hope and we have a future and we have victory because of you, Jesus. You've won the victory over death, hell, and the grave, Lord. And Lord, you reign on high this morning. And Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the the glory. We celebrate your victory. We celebrate that you are still on the throne, that you are interceding, ever interceding for us, God. We thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are good. They are for a hope and for a future, God, that we always have a hope because, Jesus, you rose from the dead. Thank you for your word this morning. We open our hearts to you this morning. We ask that you would speak afresh to us. Lord, we pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
And so, an interesting encounter for the disciples that happened, and it actually happened on a Sunday evening. We begin reading in John chapter 20, verse 19, and it says, So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were. Can you relate to this this morning? They were in lockdown, all right? They were in lockdown, and they were in fear, for fear of the Jews. Jesus came, come on, and he stood in their midst, and he said to them, peace be with you. Awesome. I want to say this morning that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, not limited by physical barriers, that he can come into your situation, into your circumstance, into your home, into wherever you may find yourself this morning and reveal himself to you. And I want to just give a background because this was an extremely eventful day that started at dawn. That morning, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb and found the stone rolled away and had run back to report to Peter and John that the stone had been rolled away and that Jesus' body had been taken away. What is going on? Peter and John ran to see for themselves and upon their arrival found it as Mary had told them. Now, Peter, of course, being who he was, he was the first to go in and he sees the linen wrappings and the face cloth sitting there and Jesus' body gone. And it says the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, looked and saw, and it says that he believed. Well, he believed Mary's report, but it says in the next verse that they, for they had not yet understood the scripture that he might rise again from the dead. They still didn't have full understanding. Here was an open tomb. They had had many, many predictions and 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 foresight of future events from Jesus himself, but they still didn't quite understand and piece things together what was happening. Mary Magdalene stuck around, stuck around after the disciples' departure, and while she was weeping and confused about where the body was, she finds who she thinks is the gardener and says, hey, if you know where they've placed his body, tell me where, the, tell me where he is. And this gardener says, Mary, Mary. I mean, when the resurrected Jesus says your name. And she says, Rabbi. And she worships him and she falls at his feet and he says, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go and tell the disciples. And not only that, Jesus had also revealed himself to Cleopas. And another disciple, in potential, as they were traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus that day, and he, as they were speaking of the events of that day, as they were just trying to make sense of all that was going on. I think we can relate to that today. What are, how do we make sense of what's going on in our world? All these events, it's a dark hour. But then as they're walking, the resurrected Jesus comes up behind them and he begins to open up the scriptures to them and reveal himself to them, open the eyes of their heart to see that all the prophets and Moses and, and, the, and the Psalms pointed to him, that he was that person. And as they went and they broke bread together, he reveals himself to them. So they immediately also ran back to the disciples. So now the disciples have two reports from Mary Magdalene and also from the disciples 
who had gone on the road to Emmaus. And it is this scene where they're sitting there together behind locked doors, cowardly and afraid and of the Jews and not sure what's going on and talking amongst themselves about the events of that day that Jesus appears in their midst. The first thing I want to say this morning about encountering the risen Lord is this, that the resurrected Lord gives peace. Look at the first thing he says to them. The first message to what we might consider at this point the cowardly, faithless disciples in this moment who had abandoned him in his darkest hour of trial during the crucifixion. No, his first message was not one of rebuke. No, his first message was not one of correction. But his first message was, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then in Luke chapter 24, 37 through 38, but they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why were they troubled? Why might they have been troubled in that moment? One, it says, was for the fear of the Jews. What will happen next? There had been a story going around that the disciples had stolen his body, and that was the reason the body was removed from the tomb. Maybe those officials would come after them. Maybe they were in trouble. They didn't know what to expect. And you know, I think we can relate to this, especially in this hour we're in. We're afraid of many things. But I want, us, I want you to hear what the resurrected Lord says to us this morning. He says, peace be to you. And he says this, I've overcome. The strength of, fear, the strength of sin is death. But Jesus has taken the sting of death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And because death has been swallowed up in victory, we need not fear anymore. Jesus has rendered powerless him who had the power, that is the devil who had the power of death, and freed us who were enslaved because of the fear of death. He has rendered him powerless. When Jesus, who is perfect love, embodied in the flesh, shows up, fear has to go. Amen? So they were afraid. But they also had grief. There was sorrow. There was mourning, it says in another account in Mark. Not only had they lost their rabbi, their friend, their leader, but they had the regrets of how they had abandoned him in his hour of suffering and death. You know, many of us have troubled hearts, and the reason we have troubled hearts is because of grief or loss or regrets, or failure in our lives, mistakes, disappointments. Maybe things haven't turned out the way you thought they would turn out. Maybe you can relate to how the disciples felt in that moment. And you know when sorrow fills your heart, when grief fills your heart, it's hard to find faith in that moment. It's easy for fear to creep in. Jesus didn't condemn them. Jesus didn't rebuke them for that. He said, peace be with you. And what kind of peace is this? Because that was a common greeting in this culture 
to say, peace be with you. What kind of peace was he speaking of? In John chapter 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you. But he says, he qualifies the peace. He says, my peace, my peace. Because his peace is different than any other peace. His peace is different than what the world gives. He says, I give to you not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And that is a word for us today, a word in season. The Jesus kind of peace is not based on the absence of trouble. Not as the world gives, which is temporary and it's conditional, but it is a peace that lasts in the face of trouble. I can remember my life before I had surrendered my life to Jesus. My heart was troubled. I come through a season of sin and the effects of that season of sin. You know, the Bible says that season is or sin has a pleasure for a season. But at the end of that season, that pleasure is gone. And if you've experienced that, you understand. The grief, the sorrow, the disappointment, the emptiness that you feel, the trouble in your heart, the lack of peace. But see, I had an encounter with a risen Lord. I had an encounter with a risen Lord at this altar some 22, 23 years ago. And when he met me, I, his power, his glory, his love, his peace touched my heart. And I knew in that moment, this was a peace like nothing I had ever experienced in my life. I'd had glimpses, I'd had small tastes, but the Lord said, this is what I have for you. What the world has is a counterfeit. See, the world seeks to hide itself from trouble. Everybody's locked down in safety as they should be in this moment, but that, they, they live that way. We want a life that's absent of trouble. But I want you to read John chapter 16, verses 33, and it says, These things, Jesus said, I have spoken to you on the night before his crucifixion, meeting with his disciples. He says this, I have spoken to you so that in me, not in the world, not in circumstance, not in anything else, but in me you may have peace. Amen. In the world, you have tribulation. This is a guarantee. You can, you can bet on it. You can bank on it. You will have tribulation and trouble. But he says, take courage because I have overcome the world. And he says to you, whose hearts may be troubled this morning, I have overcome. Don't fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Peace be with you. Let's read on. So number one, the resurrected Lord gives us peace. John chapter 20, verse 20, reading on it says, and when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Come on. I hope there's some rejoicing this morning. When we see the risen Lord, he's victorious. Luke 24, 39 and 40 says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I Myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Now Jesus did have one corrective thing to say to them. It wasn't for their mistakes. It wasn't for their failures. But in Mark it says, he upbraided them 
for their refusal to believe Mary and the other women and the disciples who had gone to Emmaus. But that didn't stop him from offering proof. You see, Jesus isn't afraid of your doubts. But I got something for you this morning. You can doubt your doubts. Number two, the resurrected Lord provides proof. See, Jesus turned their I won't believe into I can't believe it. There's a big difference between those two. That's an I can't believe it of amazement, of joy. It's him. It really is him. He turned their grief and despair to joy and amazement. Come on, he turned their gnaw into an awe. Can you relate how many times has the Lord, the risen Lord, blown your mind? He will if you're open. You see, every one of us has to reckon with the proof of the resurrection. Do you still have doubts? Jesus is not put off by your doubts. He understands and is willing to show us the reality of who he is. But is it a defiant doubt? Have you refused to believe because you know what it would mean to acknowledge that God raised Jesus from the dead? You know it demands a life change. You know this miraculous event in history cannot be ignored. You know it confronts your worldview, your lifestyle, your choices, and your reason for living. It confronts all of it. And we are faced with a decision. What do we do in light of a resurrected Lord? How do we respond Or are you like these disciples, one who simply must see for yourself? See, everybody gets on Thomas's case. He comes along eight days later. He missed this party. But let me tell you something about Thomas. After his doubts were addressed, he fully surrendered. He fully gave his life. See, we call him Doubting Thomas. We give him a label for his lowest point in life. But that same Thomas went to the ends of the earth and was martyred for the gospel. Jesus says, look at my hands. They were pierced for your transgressions. Look at my side. I was pierced where the blood and the water came out. That was for you. See, you can't just know him as the resurrected Lord. You must know him as the suffering Lord. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, if you really love someone, you want to know what they've been through. You want to share in those moments You know when somebody really loves you when they've been there in your darkest moment. And once they had the revelation of the person of Christ, the resurrected Lord, they were willing to go wherever he said to go. He provides proof. 
They'd heard the testimonies. The empty tomb hinted at the resurrection. How many times had Jesus said the Son of Man must go suffer at the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then rise again on the third day? He had told them multiple times. They often said, I don't know what he means. In fact, Peter at one one point said, no, 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 this can't be. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you're not thinking of God's interests, but man's interests, because this is why he came. This was his mission. This was his destiny. This was his sacrifice. To us who are slow of heart to believe, he says, look at the hands that were pierced for you to the side from which blood and water flowed. It was at the moment that that blood and water flowed that the centurion said, truly this was the Son of God. Because his heart bursts from the emotional weight of carrying the sin of the world. Look at what I've done for you. May you see the proof. May you no longer doubt. May you no longer be troubled. It's done. Acts 1.3 says this, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many, many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. You see, even the most atheist historian actually acknowledges that there was Jesus, that he was crucified, and that there was an empty tomb. And they can, they've tried to explain it away with multiple theories, but none of them make sense. And one proof is this. The life of those who encountered the resurrected Lord. Why would they give up everything? Why would they be willing to suffer? Why would they be willing to give their lives? Why would they be willing to go to the end of the earth and be persecuted for the sake of a gospel that was made up? Why? Because they encountered the risen Lord. John 20, 21 says this. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Number three, the resurrected Lord gives purpose. When you meet the resurrected Lord, you are given a whole new reason to live. To go to a dying world with the message of the resurrected Lord. Amen? The first greeting of peace signified the possibility of peace with God through his sacrifice. He was raised for our justification. This peace, this second greeting, was for the journey because they would need it where they were going. And we need his peace to sustain us where he sends us. How can we preach the gospel of peace unless we too possess and live in this very peace? Peace for the journey. 
My life before surrendering to Christ, I was drifting this way and that way. No sense of purpose. Tossed about by every wave of circumstance. Maybe you can relate to that this morning. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know why I was living. I just lived each day to be merry, to party. But it was empty. I've often compared the life of sin to eating Chinese food. (laughs) Chinese food is really good. But then there's that MSG thing. And you know what I'm talking about, the MSG after effect. Where about an hour later, you're hungry again, and you're tired and dreary. Anyone had that moment? So sin satisfies for a moment. That was me, and I was just trying to not be empty anymore, but at that point where I came to, in 1996, I could no longer satisfy that. There was an emptiness. There was a lack of purpose. There was a lack of destiny, direction for my life. I found it in the risen Lord. He says, as the Father has sent me, Jesus hadn't lived for his own agenda. He says, I am here for the initiative of the Father, not my own initiative. He says, my food is to do the will of God and to accomplish his purpose. That was his reason for living. There are so many scriptures in the book of John where he talks about the one who sent him. So my question for you this morning, if you've encountered the resurrected Lord, are you living as a sent one? As a sent one, with a sense of mission, a sense of destiny, a sense that I'm in this world for a reason, that I must redeem the time for the days are evil. That there is a dying world that needs to meet a resurrected Lord who is living on the inside of me. Are we living as the sent ones? No longer are you to remain behind closed doors in fear of this world, but you're to go to the very world you fear with this message that he has given you. So number three, he gives purpose. The resurrected Lord gives purpose. Verse 22, we read, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Oh. Jesus breathed on them. And this word is emphasao. Emphasao. The Greek word here is employed nowhere else in the New Testament. But it is very, the very word used by the Septuagint translators in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There man's original creation was completed by this act of God. Then How can we fail to see that here in John 20, 
on the day of the Savior's resurrection, the new creation has begun. Number four, the resurrected Lord gives life. In 1 John 5, 12, it says, He who has the Son has life. Has the life. The life. You ever heard somebody say, get a life? I have it. I have the life. I have the life. You see, I don't need to fill my life with all sorts of activity. I I enjoy being active. There's so many things I enjoy in life, but that's not what gives me life. The source of life is the breath of God. His very spirit indwelling me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, quickening my mortal body, giving me life, freeing me from the law of sin of death, that I might live for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Hallelujah. New things have come. When Jesus breathes that new life, that new creation into you, you need to get rid of some rearview mirrors. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, and he says, forgetting what lies behind, but pressing toward the mark of the hard calling of God in Christ Jesus. Going forward, the resurrected Lord gives life. Now they could live the resurrected life. You see, the disciples had encountered the resurrected Lord, and now they would become the resurrected church. Luke 24, 45 says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, Jesus says in John 6, 6, 6, 63, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and life. They are spirit and life. You see, when God breathes his spirit into you, that same spirit gives you understanding of his word. And now all the puzzle pieces begin to come together for these disciples. Because the Holy Spirit, who Jesus told them on the night before his crucifixion, would be their teacher would lead them into all truth, would remind them of things that he had said, was now indwelling in them. He would lead them into all truth. That life, that Zoe life, that can only come from the Spirit of God when Jesus breathes into you. And that happens the moment you surrender. The moment you say, God, I throw up the white flag, I'm done fighting. I give you my life. Come be Lord. He comes in and new life is born in you. You're born again. You have a living hope. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you repent and turn from that life before. Now they could understand. I'm almost done. John 20 verse 23. 
He finishes by saying, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. You see, we've been given a mission, and he's entrusted us with a message. And he says that message in Luke 24, 46 and 47. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's the message. And when people respond, when we speak to a repentant sinner, we can tell them, your sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done for you. Repentance for forgiveness of sins. Repentance is simply turning from your current path and turning to the resurrected Lord and saying, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I turn from my sin. I give you my life. Breathe afresh into me the Holy Spirit, that I might live for you. Second Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The fifth and final point in this passage that I want to make this morning is this. The resurrected Lord gives us Authority. To go and take this message to the ends of the earth. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You see, they had the indwelling and soon would come the overflowing on Pentecost. This was a taste of things to come. But he says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So this morning, I want to close with this. When you encounter the risen, the resurrected Lord, you find peace. You find proof. You find purpose. You find life true life and you have authority to overcome and preach this message an encounter with him is life changing it'll transform you you can't encounter the risen lord resurrected lord and go out the same none of those disciples would ever 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 be the same when jesus stands in your midst and he says peace be with you. Peace be with you. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what challenges, what crisis, what darkness has overtaken your life. But Jesus, the risen Lord, says to you, peace be with you. Let not your heart be troubled. First, he speaks to the troubles in our life. And then he says, look at me. My hands were pierced for you. 
My side was speared for you. I wore this crown. It says in Isaiah chapter 53 that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Blood ran down from his head. His hands were pierced. His feet pierced. But today, that cross is empty. The tomb is open. And the King of Kings has risen and sits enthroned on high. And because of that, you can have victory. I want you to pray with me right now. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you even right now, those that are watching, those within the sound of my voice, Lord. Lord, you come into their midst, that you would come into their midst. That you would reveal to them yourself, the resurrected Lord. Lord, there's many who are facing fears, who are filled with doubts and uncertainty, lacking hope, despair. Maybe their life's been filled with grief and sorrow, disappointment, mistakes regrets but Lord you speak to their hearts this morning we speak to their hearts this morning peace be with you for Lord you're victorious death has been swallowed up in victory we thank you this morning for salvation We thank you that because you were raised, because you, the Holy One, would not suffer decay, but you were raised for us, for our justification, so that we, through faith in you, might have peace with God. We might be reconciled to you. If you're listening to this message, if you're watching this right now, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never given him your life, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know. And he stands this morning in your midst and he says, look at me. Look at what I've done for you. You must reckon with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you be saved? Will you repent? Will you turn? Will you say, Jesus, come? I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need you to come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and empower me to live, to overcome sin, to live a victorious life for your glory and for your honor, Savior. Lord, be my Lord. 
pray that right now. The Bible says in Romans 10, chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 9, if you'll believe in your heart, if you'll confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, they, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. Will you do that this morning? Others, maybe your hearts are troubled. We just speak fear, peace to you right now over that fear. Fear be gone in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of comfort, just come and comfort you. Maybe you're grieving this morning from loss or from suffering or from, maybe you've lost someone close to you this morning. May His comfort come and surround you this morning. May His peace come. Father, we love you. You demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet Christ died for us. The right time you died for the ungodly. That was us. And we thank you. Thank you for your victory this morning. We thank you for your peace. Thank you for the joy. Lord, I pray you would restore a sense of awe and wonder of your resurrection in the hearts of every believer this morning. love you, we praise you. Amen.